Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com and the Radio.com app. For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins in the NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. Yeah. Yeah. With Ken Laird from the Greg Hill Morning Show. That's evidently what Ken Laird wants you to believe. And WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Calm. Everything going to be all right? <laughs> Lace him up for some bees talk right now. It's the Skate Pod. Sunday Skate, I'll give it a B, B plus. On WEEI. Holy, this is a big time show. It is a big time show. Yet another big time show on the way. It's the Skate Pod, Ken Laird and Matt Kalman. And uh, we are brought to you by our great friends at Red River Technology. We love Red River. You will too. Check them out. Matt Kalman, uh, many ways to subscribe to the Skate Pod, of course. Oh yeah, well let's see. Uh, Apple Podcast, Stitcher. I use Downcast. I get all my pod combination podcast through downcast you know lucy and elaine which i guess is just elaine now and <laughs> five out which i still haven't figured out what that means and of course the bradfoe show mm. the number one star and the whole thing by the way look for very soon bradfoe show hot stove special side episodes with yours truly and Brad oh Foe. nice looking for, looking ahead to the winter meetings that'll be dropping i believe uh friday morning so awesome you're gonna discuss all the different ways the red Sox are gonna cut coupons and yeah <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna compare pasta knock and Mookie bets. Uh, I do want to talk pasta first of all. Just... Well, first let's talk about our guest. Oh, true. Yes, let's. I mean, to... another Hall of Famer. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Doug McClain coined the phrase. This is a big time show, mm-hmm. and we've got another Hall of Famer, Kevin Paul Dupont of the Boston Globe, following in the footsteps of Cam Neely, Nick Lidstrom, our Hall of Fame parade on the show. Correct. And uh, I've never actually met Kevin Paul Dupont. Oh, really? You know him well. Yep. But I'm looking forward to chatting with him. Obviously, he's a legend in this town and has been doing it for 40 plus years. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're looking for perspective today. That's a good place to go. A guy that's seen a lot and mostly perspective, not only on the Bruins hot start, but the Pasternak. 25 <laughs> goals in 27 games. It really is incredible. By December 1st, to have 25, the 11th player in NHL history, first since Lemieux. Since wow. Lemieux, my youth in 1993, back in Pittsburgh. Now, so Yager didn't even have that in the, no. when he was in, with the Rangers that year. Okay, nope. wow. But that's, I mean, uh, you know, it, no, it's stunning. No one's less of a fan per se than me when it comes to this stuff. But 
when I always say I root for the story, and his story is making me into a fan in that how far can he take this? How far can this go? What number is he going to put? You know, I was looking back at Ovechkin early. Even early Ovechkin had 62 one year. Well, and Ovechkin had 52 in year one. Okay. So, yeah, 65 is his top. 65. So it's like that's in this era. That's not, you know, that's not in the 80s. So to think that it can happen, and then you start thinking of Solani and and 76, and, you know, obviously 92 and Gretzky way off. No one's going to do that. But, you know, it's almost like Barry Bonds. No one's going to touch that. So you always kind of maybe still look at 61 as the as the, as the the cornerstone, Mark. Um, how far can this go? And you don't – you don't you change his lines. Um, they change – you know, they're starting to get physical, more physical with them. They start – you know, one team shadowed him a little bit. And yep. it doesn't seem to slow him down. And so you just wonder. I don't know how far you think it could go, but I think 60 is more the goal than 50. Well, yeah. I mean, he was on pace for 77 at last check. <laughs> I, I don't think we're going to get there. I went through and watched today before the show all 25 goals on the NHL app, okay? All 25. Just Better to, you than me. Just to get the kind of the, uh, just to refresh, I wanted to get some trends. I was to run these past you, yeah. these, these factoids without, well, a little bit of opinion, but you just tell me, okay, first of all, the power play. Yeah. 12 of them are on the power play. Okay. So almost half of them. That's not typical. Like Ovechkin had 51 last year. Only 18 of those were on the power wow. play. So, so much less than half. So is he too power play dependent? And obviously, a ton of them are coming from the left circle. <laughs> Not all of them slap shots, though. I, I mean, think he, he's what? had some garbage goals over there. He's had some, uh, you know, sort of wrist shots, quick release variety. Obviously, a few of them are bombs, but uh, he's mixed it up. But but then again, I think teams will adjust to that a little bit as the season as the season you, goes you on. You think so? But they don't. They've never they've never really adjusted the Ovechkin one either. So there's just True. there's just certain shots that are just undefendable, you know and you just have to hope that they go wide or the goalie gets over in time. There are just ways to do that. But, you know, power play dependent, it might just be because they are more power play dependent and, and the fact that they get the power plays and they cash them in. So it's, you know, it's just not it's not necessarily him waiting for the power play to score or needing the power play to score. Right. Seven of the last ten, by the way, are not on the power play. He's, so he's mm. doing it a little less uh, right. frequently recently. Now, 12 of them come from a Marchand assist. 11 <laughs> of those 12 are the primary assists. Yep. And in fact, only six of the 25 goals were without a helper from either Marchand or Bergeron. So basically, yep. on every goal, you, you look down the list, <laughs> right. one of those guys is factoring well, in. So is he dependent on the best line in hockey? Right now, missing Petrie right. Bergeron. But, you know, Ovechkin's had Backstrom all these years, yep. and we always look at line mates and, and different line combinations. Nathan McKinnon was Hart Trophy uh, candidate and uh, has, you know, Landeskog and uh, Rantanen. So I, I wouldn't necessarily hold that against him. The only thing that'll hold against him is that I would say maybe this week last this time last week I was you know Marshan scored so many big goals or sets up so many big goals that maybe are scored by Pasternak uh goals where they're behind where they need to get a rally going goals when they're you know kind of off to a slow start is 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 Marshan more valuable than Pasternak is this you know who is the MVP is it Pasternak or Marshan right you could debate that um but you know every every great scorer is going to have um a great setup, man. Which is why McDavid and Dreisaitl are, you know, obviously having success this year. Right, and, they did last and year. why, even though there's like always a clamoring to break them up, you yep. know, even Dave Tippett comes in there and says, uh, no, this has to stick together because I need to win some hockey games. The most impressive thing, though, I, I, I thought most of them were going to be the slap shot, the one-timer. Mm-hmm. Right. Only seven. Wow. Uh, were, were true slap shot one-timers, you know, that you, you picture from the top of the circle. He has done it in a variety of ways. 
Mm-hmm. Probably the one that stands out the most is that between the legs goal against Toronto. <laughs> right. I mean, that was unbelievable. Uh, you know, he's had some where he's, he's been in front. He's boxed out, like against Anaheim. He had the box out one against uh, uh, Lindholm. You got position at the post. He's crafty. He's got a he's got a real scorer's instinct of when to break to the net, and well, that's that's a big key. Well, there's there's two things that work here. First of all, the most we always knew he was going to score. The fact that he hits and plays strong defensively and is so much stronger is amazing to see that progress and and just. Not to go on a tangent, but 23 years old, this is why you have to be patient with young players and not run them out the door at 22. And I'm not talking about management. I'm talking about fans and tweeters. Yeah, it's year six and he's finally taken off. It takes so long for guys to it's, – it's just impossible, except for you know, if you're Connor McDavid, to be man strong, NHL strong, NHL experienced, aware – I mean, he still gives the puck away a ton, right? But yep. more often than not, he's getting it back. He's making, you know, he's making things happen other ways. He obviously has the the conscience of Bar- uh, Bergeron and Marchand behind him to to defend on those giveaways that he has. But he's he's making more plays than giveaways now, as opposed to maybe three years ago. And you know, the coaching comes in from from Claude to Bruce. You you pick up things here and there, and you know, it, it's a, and it's just been a great time for him to, to be on this team where he has this coach now who's so nurturing and, and, and willing to you know, put up with some more mistakes. and uh, But that's the thing. It's, he's so much more conscientious as a player that it, it, it reflects itself in him being able to, to do all this scoring and get the ice time to do it. Yeah, and, and in a way, I think the most impressive move you know that we've seen from him is, is that overtime blow past Buchnevich right. in the Rangers game. And the pass to find Krejci, that yep. is incredible. But the Montreal game, where he's able to fend off Gallagher and Weber, mm-hmm. and uh, he gets takes the big hit from Ar- was Armia. That's that's and then to come back and blast that right. one on the right wing. That and the is, diversity of yep. of chances, like you you just, you just went down, is why you wonder you know is this going to be a sixty? You know, this isn't a guy just relying on a three point shot or a guy relying on home runs. This guy, this is a guy who's d- does it in so many different ways, it's hard to defend. So it's going to be harder for teams to shadow him. It's going to be harder for teams to kind of even get rough with him because he doesn't care because yeah. he- he's he's learning not to get frustrated. I mean, we saw him the other night against uh, the guy he, he hauled down, Fogel. He got a little frustrated with a moving pick there, but, you know, he still didn't take a penalty, right? So Or he did take a penalty, but he, did. he didn't let it go over the line. It came out of the box and the game went on. You didn't have a, him revisiting it. You know, if it was young Brad Marsh and he might have come out of the box and <laughs> gone after him again, right? So, Well, I think a 50 is a lock if he stays healthy. I, I would oh, say absolutely. 60 is possible. I mean, 60, I think, is right now the goal. It's The yeah. 50 is just a, a foregone conclusion. The 60 is the one that you really want to see. 28 games in, you know, you're basically have two-thirds of the year left. It, it really is amazing. I mean, and across the league, I think. He's he's not like Connor McDavid fun to watch, but he's he sort of is just in... Yeah, I mean, in different ways. Right, he doesn't have the puck as much. Yeah, as 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 McDavid, who's dictating the play. But you know, watching, I guess you would say Pasternak, Marshand is maybe combined there with the McDavid of this team. The way you know, weaving back and forth and trying different things, and they've, you know, not to not to forget about Bergeron just because he's out of the lineup. But Marshand and Pasternak kind of have that sixth sense now. You see with them making area passes and making particular cuts that you know that they know each other will be making. So it's that's. Just going to keep thriving. Maybe the only thing that might stop them actually is maybe if Marshan becomes more of the shooter and Pasternak becomes more of the setup guy. Well, you never true. know. Pasternak is his shot totals are way up. I mean, he is shooting more, uh, which is to his credit, as we right. talked about on several podcasts. Now, last week we had Dale on, 
very well downloaded podcast, and we appreciate Dale. I think we boosted his book sales too. Over the uh, he had a big turnout. He said in Maine. He told me something about the the, the, the the bookstore in New Hampshire actually that oh, he, New Hampshire, uh, yeah. Yeah, that they uh, he, like we've passed Michelle Obama. So you know, take that one, Obama. We'll take our check <laughs> from Dale when he gets around to it. I mean, at least you deserve it. This <laughs> writing the book, but pat ourselves on the back. We talked presciently about Charlie Coyle. Yeah, a week that was a good ago. call. A $5 million center, is he worth it? You guys were like, no-brainer, definitely. Did it surprise you at all, though, to see it actually on paper? Six years, $5.25 yeah. $5. They have committed big time yep. to Charlie Coyle through 2026. It did surprise me a little bit because as much as he says he wants to be here, I think, I mean, wouldn't part of you, if, if you're in his position, want to see like what, what the numbers would look like? Even if you ended up just signing here for the same thing, wouldn't you want to get the ego boost and have people yep. throw money at you? So uh, and the, and the Wagner deal as well is kind of interesting just because they haven't committed much in terms of term to these these kinds of guys these bottom six forwards right and, Achari just left for right and now money. the ra- the raise was was not was wasn't significant but three years that's 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 a, that's a heck of a uh, a commitment to a guy who plays in your bottom six and we know from the playoffs last year he's going to sacrifice his body and you never know that could happen and he'll be out three months so um, but go, you know going back to Coil. You have to keep him. I mean, we know what the center depth is with this organization. We know now what Bergeron's injury situation is. We don't know that this is ever going to, um, you know, go away. And well, that's uh, just it, right? This is tied directly to Patrice Bergeron, who has two years left on his deal, and David Krejci, who, who has one year left on his deal. Yes, but but uh, but in that sense, I mean, I think Coyle is Bergeron insurance. Mm-hmm. Krejci now, I think, becomes a question of whether you sign him to another yeah. extension. Next year, I guess, or this off season, I don't think they would now, but maybe. I I, I don't know. He's playing so well. What? Yeah, I think he's not eligible until maybe the summer. Okay, July one. So that's when they'd be able to do that. And you wonder. Yeah, I mean, I have no. He's become kind of a a phantom in the in the in the locker room these last couple of years. So I don't have a feel for what Krejci might be thinking because he'll be the one that has to take a pay cut to stay here. Because right. of the big deal he's had, you know Bergeron and and Chara even you know Chara's obviously taking the pay cut, but he's gotten the bonuses. And clearly, when you're paying a past forty defenseman, you're not going to keep giving him raises. Yeah. Uh, but this will be a, that'll be an interesting one down the road to see if he's willing to take the pay cut to stay here. He's not going to make seven point two five on his last deal here, so that'll be an interesting thing to say. And plus, also, you're not going to go how far in term are you going to go? Two more years, three I think more two years, or three for him. is what you want, right? Uh, how many so, does he want at age thirty-four um, next year? That I, might I end know. up being a situation where they just can't keep him. In which case, you know, you're looking at Co- Coyle's not a number one, right? Center. Well, you can always go out and get a cheaper number two um, in free agency, but then you never know. Unless Stanika is that. Well, but. it'll be a number two in that David Krejci has never been a number two. Yep, it's a one and one A situation. He was signed as a number one, and yeah. he was signed as a number one, and he's always been a one A when healthy. Um, You'll have to go back to the way it was, or the way other teams do it. Yep. The way teams do it in the non-Bergeron, Krejci, Chara world, where uh, you know they don't, or, and Tuukka Rask world, where they're constantly changing and trading and trying to look for the right fit for these guys. With these guys, we'll get to Kevin Paul Dupont here in a second. Uh, just real quickly, the other interesting discussion point now has become Yaro Halak. Yeah, he won his, uh, you know, had a shutout in his 500th regular season game uh, the night before we were taping this, and he's going to cost Tuukka Rask a Vezina. Because he's playing so well, right, and working against uh, his great numbers on the year, yeah. But they they repeatedly say he's the number one. Cassidy keeps saying this is the number one goaltender. So if, if that's the case, I mean, he's going to be seeking that kind of money next I know. year. When, when Bruce said that uh, 
Tuesday night, I said, I thought to myself, um, you might not want to say that because, you know, I might not want to convince the guy to leave here. But, yeah, I don't, again, uh, he's kind of a an aloof guy when it comes to talking to the media. But talking to him after that game, I had him one-on-one a little bit. And you kind of wonder if he just likes it here. And maybe, you know, 2.75, 3 million isn't bad to play here. You, you know you're going to get a certain amount of games, maybe not a lot. You know that if Tuca does struggle or gets hurt, you're going to get more games and maybe – you know, the grass isn't always greener, and when you're 33, you kind of come to terms with that. We've seen – look at Ryan Miller in Anaheim. He's playing out the string, but he's playing great. He's not playing a lot. He's playing behind, you know, one of the top five goaltenders in the league, and he gets his he gets his minutes. You know, he accomplished all the individual things he wanted to accomplish in his career, and now he's about the team. And I think uh, Halak comes in with that same, that same type of attitude. It's the same – it's the Tuca attitude of being part of the team, not just being this crazy goalie who's separate from everyone. And Maybe it works out that he stays at least the one more year and until you can really get this. I mean, this idea that they have this pipeline of goalies, we have no idea. Yeah, they have I three mean, guys that are big question marks. They're saying the same things about Jerry, Jeremy Swayman in Maine that they said about uh, Zane McIntyre when he's in North Dakota, right? He was a dominant college goalie, yeah. and look what happened to him. Uh, Vlardar just came back from an injury. You know, Kaiser sure has, looks like he has potential, but you know, you're talking two or three years till he can step in and be a backup here. And now legacy – has played well for Providence this year, but he's not signed for next year, so you don't know what his thinking would be. Do you do you think Legacy can be a Halak replacement, and how much cheaper is he going to be? It's hard to say. And your best case to keep again, everything is focused on winning with this core now. Yep. At least one more year of Halak, if you can swing it, is is the way to go. Halak, by the way, he's like played for eight teams now, which he doesn't play against. So <laughs> he's, no, he's, actually, he's on... you know what? I looked that up a little bit. He's played against them more than it feels like. He okay. did like he played obviously against Montreal this year now, right. and then he played a one game against Montreal last year. He played a Washington game, but he definitely has avoided the Islanders. The Islanders is the one. So maybe that's because he hates them so much. I mean, this is a team <laughs> that buried this guy. In, I mean, how how poorly managed do you have to be that three years ago you decided Yaroslav Halak not only first was had to be part of three goalie rotation where he didn't get much time and then you send it to the minors. I mean which it works to the Bruins advantage, right? He's treated well here and as far as we know, exactly. They have a coach who's not choking him or kicking him on the bench oh, in physical God. violence like the rest of the league. Well, obviously, I mean there's no doubt that goalie Bob is an attraction. I mean, all kidding aside, the guy's been the goalie coach here for how long for longer than I've been covering the team actually and uh, you know, three Vezina trophies and a bunch of backups who have, you know, come around and worked and probably had their best years. If you look at guys like Chad Johnson, probably had his best year here. So, you know, it's always a good sign that uh, to stay with Goalie Bob. Everything right now is coming up. Bruins, as we sit here today, 23-5. and five. <laughs> they are, This is their third hottest start in franchise history. The last time they had 20 wins in 27 games, 28 games or less, 1973. Jeez. Um, they're an 8-game win streak, 12-game point streak. They've not lost in regulation at home, although they've, they've had some rocky performances there of late, as everybody's pointed out. And you know, this is the t- this is the talking point that might even actually be worthy of the airwaves of this place during the day. I mean, it, doesn't it seem the past 20 years, you know, or at least since since the Brady era began, that even when the Patriots play crap, they pull it out yeah. and, and win every which way? I mean, except for the fact that Game 7 was such a, a bust last year for this team, doesn't it feel like... You never can count them out. They know how to win. You know, Bruce Cassidy talks about A games and B games. And, I mean, sometimes they win when they have their C game. And if you look at the body of work from the start of last year to now, throwing out the game seven, right. it's pretty amazing to see the, the games they've pulled out the way they've played. And you wonder if this is not 
the start of a similar era, you know, obviously in a different sport, different league where it's more difficult to to do these things and, and be as dominant. There's no dynasties anymore in the National Hockey League, but this is this could be as close as you get in the, in this day and age. Well, I, I look to a great writer named Matt Kalman, who after the <laughs> Rangers game quoted uh, Henrik Lundqvist as saying, that's where I think they're one of the best teams in the league. They managed to stay in the game even though they're not playing their best, and it's almost like a different team out there in the third. I thought right. that quote stood out. Yeah, to me, and know. that's... This is the thing. I mean, we talk about it all the time. You're going to you're gonna miss this core when it's gone. It's like the most – it's like a shooting star in the grand scheme of things. You know, however many years it'll have been, we had Patrice, Krejci, Chara, and then you threw Tuca in there starting maybe 2013. It's just – they just don't – A one-cup shooting really, star. They really do take this <laughs> one game at a time thing that has worked so well for the Patriots. Yeah, they no, really have adopted yeah. it. And it started with Claude, and and Bruce has has, has ex, ex, accelerated it. He's he's made it even more of a mantra. Maybe maybe because Bruce does leave so much of the leadership to the leaders, whereas Claude might have been more of a controlling kind of coach. That it just it empowers them to go out there and just have so much confidence and know that they can win no matter what, and they never think they're counted out of a game. All right, good stuff. Let's get to our guest. Looking for some perspective, Matt. Uh, no better guy to get it from than Kevin Paul Dupont, who's been with the Boston Globe, I think, since 1985. Is that right, Kevin? You've been 34 years plus there now? Boy, we have to do the math. <laughs> <laughs> we can skip that if you'd like. That's the, that's the second time yeah. around, too, right? That's right. It actually goes back to 73. <laughs> Let's leave it at 30. Let's leave it at 34 years. <laughs> Bottom line, you've seen a few things uh, in your time. Uh, yes. The David Pasternak 25-goal start here through 27 games. Uh, do you compare it to anything in, in Bruins history that you've seen? Well, certainly Esposito, Phil Esposito, in terms of uh, you know volume of goals here and, and, and the possible trajectory, which is obviously a, a tricky game. But uh, I would say you know the, the difference, of course, uh, Esposito is center. Uh, Neely is probably the better comparison. Neely, who scored 53 times, going by memory here. Um, Neely was similar in terms of played right side. Didn't show up as didn't show up in as many places on the ice as Pasternak does. Right. But the game was different. The game was more, if you will, linear and north south, straight ahead. Certainly on the power play, uh, Pasternak roams a lot more. Thinking this through this morning, and and frankly, uh, something I wish I'd included in the column today, which is I I think what really separates Pasternak is his release. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me most of, and I know probably a fair number of your listeners didn't see his career, which is Mike Bossy. Right. So Bossy, who scored 50 goals nine straight times, as I remember, um, had what I thought was the quickest release. But what I always thought was, the puck's off a stick before he even gets it. Mm-hmm. And certainly that is Pasternak's main point of delivery. And, and you know, patent up, a patent almost and being somewhere around that left wing face off dot and ripping it very much reminds me of Bossy. No one's going to no one's going to replicate that run of nine straight seasons of fifty goals. Right. But but boy, in terms of unloading it and and you can you can feel as as the fan feel it's going to leave his stick before the pass is even made to him. Yeah, I never want I never want to say never. You know, the guy's 24, 23, 24 right now. I mean, nine straight years. I it might come kind of close at this rate. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, in terms of I I would absolutely agree, Matt. In yeah. terms of ability and and the way he shoots it, it's just we, let's remember 
uh, uh, Mike Bossy was shooting against guys in horsehair pads. Right, right. So there was no reacting. I mean, yeah, there was reacting. He did get stopped, obviously. But, you know, 50 today is yeah. kind of the 75 then in right, my mind. Right. Just because of how good these goalies are. And I, I'm not going to kidnap your podcast here by my standard rant against goalie equipment. But that's where we are. Well, I'll say something, you know, not to get on a tangent, but the goalie equipment, you're talking about that. Actually, I was showing my son some Billy Smith highlights. And it is pretty amazing the saves he was able to make with the equipment deficiencies that you're talking about. So yes, you know, there were some yeah, challenges. Yes. And, yeah, uh, I mean, and let's face it, they didn't consider them deficiencies, right? right that was exactly. The, that was the state of the art. So they were agile, but it led to a whole different type of goaltending. Sure. You know, Billy Smith, and if you think of, uh, well, even Grant Fuhrer in the early going, uh, Jerry Cheevers. I mean, the, the, the position was up and out. Yeah. Uh, on, on your feet, out of the crease, taking down angles. So, you know, if... If somebody were able to feed Pasternak at the bottom of the left circle, let's say, near the goal line, uh, and he ripped that shot, the goalie who's playing up and out, uh, up and out isn't within right. 24 inches of that shot. Exactly. So I'm just feeling like so to go back to Pasternak and just within this season. I mean, yeah. th- this to me right now feels like when I was a kid, at least before in the pre-steroid era of baseball, where a guy would hit 25, 30 home runs by the all-star break. And you'd say he's going to break Maris's record and he would taper off. I mean, considering the way the game has changed, I mean, can he keep up at close to this pace? I mean, where do you see this season going for him? Well, I think, think, and we're seeing it already. You're going to see other teams load up on him and try to take him away, which should, which should give more, you know, provided they get back to their number one line, that that Bergeron is on it should play to their strength because if they're going to they're either going to shadow or try to try to put two men on him, then that's going to leave other uh, other people open for options here. Uh, so the checking is going to get sterner. And you, I'm sure you heard the quote yesterday from from uh, Butch saying if if, <laughs> if if you don't want that kind of attention, don't be that, don't be a great sport. Basically, right, is what right. he's saying. But that's what they're going to get. I, I don't think we're going to see shadows up and down you know 30 teams here just because no one's playing that style i think what you're going to see is is if you will uh, teams attach uh you know fast skating chihuahuas to try to take them down try, try to deny him the puck try to deny him the shot but what i've seen him do this year and i don't know if you've, you'd agree with this is his stick handling ability and his his uh, cleverness uh, in the offensive zone, I think has taken a real quantum leap. Absolutely, it's, it's not that he's faster. It's not that he's shooting right. harder or getting it rid of it quicker. It's that he's got more moves now, right. and, and he really is turning into a magician. There aren't many of those guys in the league. Right. That's that's sort of the Patrick Kane thing. Sure, we're yeah. going to see that tomorrow and, night. And confidence through the roof. I mean, he's willing to try yes. all these things. Yeah, and confidence goes a long way. And then and, and to the other side of it, when you see a guy get in the rut that. That, that tears them down. The, the other is a standard caveat, and this, this hurt him last year as he got hurt. It wasn't right. an on-ice injury. He went right. out in the team function, <laughs> slipped and fell or whatever the hell happened. Yeah. Um, uh, so there's always that caveat. I, I, I don't think anybody, given some of the issues we've touched here, that the equipment of the goaltenders, the quality of the goaltenders, not to take away their athleticism, right? Um, and the fact that other teams now are going to be queuing on him, it's, it's going to make it tougher. But, boy, 50 should be a slam dunk. Right. Yeah, and not to quibble with anything you guys have said, he's obviously a great goal scorer. He's proven that 
era or even a short NHL career, and maybe that you know the assist on Krejci's overtime winner is the most impressive thing he's done, right? Even beyond the goals this year. Just to push back a little bit, though, how dependent is he on Marchand? Because he's had 12 assists on the 25 goals, 11 of them primary. I mean, without Marchand, mm. is Pasternak even in this stratosphere? It's a good question. We're, we're, we, again, they're going to, they, they broke them up the other night, uh, last night, and then, then we're going to see them uh, do that again uh, for the Chicago game. So, um, I don't know. I think... Certainly, that's not going to take away his strength of shot, his release, but you've got to have somebody to dish it to you. Uh, I, I think the issue would be is, is if he's got neither uh, Bergeron but, or, or uh, Marshawn feeding him, that's an issue. But let's face it, if he ends up with Krejci full-time, there's worse things than that. You know? <laughs> and I'm sure Krejci would agree with that exactly. <laughs> in terms of a guy who can deliver to. I think they've got quality. I think they can do that. I think Coyle can do that too. It, mm-hmm. He's got a different game. He's more of a possession guy, and he's you know he's he's sort of the advanced Sean Corrales in terms of being hold it, shield it, mm-hmm. very tough to get it away from him. Uh, not the hands of those other two guys, and uh, certainly not. It, it's a, it is a magical line. When, you know when it's together, if it can stay together, and if. Frankly, more important maybe than staying together for them is, or in terms of a component of that is, is is uh, is the rest of the lineup delivering uh, offense across lines two, three, and four. Well, Kevin, since you mentioned Coyle and uh, Krejci, Bergeron's in the midst of this you know five game absence. Where do you see the center spot going here in the next couple years? Krejci's got the one year left on the deal. He's thirty three. Bergeron has health issues. You know we've seen a little bit of Stanika now. And Beecher, they've drafted. Uh, what what does the Coil signing mean to you, if anything, regarding those other guys? Well, certainly it's a it, it's a contingency uh, that you know, given given what his age is and the other guys and Ber, you know Bergeron's concussion history, his core his history with these, this core injury, which looks to me like it's going to linger probably in perpetuity with him. I don't see that that's ever going to go away. It's going to be a question of you know the common term now load management and games and is he going to be playing back to backs all of that and and frankly given what their lead is in the division and and all of it I I, I don't think they're I, I don't obviously they're not rushing him I don't see that there's even a need to uh, to, to load his week beyond say two games a week ahead I don't know I, I thought this contract Bergeron signed given the length of it. And uh, how the payout was made, so much of his money was made uh, up front or over the course of the first three years. I, I figured this was really his retirement deal. But boy, he looks so good uh, unless this injury really becomes debilitating, which you know, it, it obviously isn't there. Uh, if he got rung up again, I think that would I think he's. He's in, he's intelligent enough. He's sensitive enough. He's smart enough. All of that that he that would probably be it for him. I, I don't see him weathering through it the way uh, the way others have. You know, historically, I don't think he needs the money. Certainly, the most uh, in the current case is David Backus. So, in the long run, do I see do I see Krejci or Bergeron here more than a couple of years more? Uh, I really don't. Given what their age is, their accomplishment, they're not going to be hanging on to win another cup. They've both made tons of money. So yeah, I think I think he's he being Coil is going to sort of advance higher into the order. I don't see him as a true number one center. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can't make any opinion at this point on Stanika, the little bit that I've seen him. He, he does seem to have that uh, game sense, spatial awareness, all that, but you've got to give that some time. Um, I don't see any obvious error apparent to, to what, what they've got here, and they may never get back to that in right. terms of 1-1A. One one exactly. That's what I always talk about is that this is just a, a golden era for centers for this team, and then they're going to appreciate it more when they're gone than probably when they have them. But along those lines, since the Coil tr- uh, contract, there's been you know a clamoring from however many people on Twitter or I guess maybe some talk shows as well about trading Krejci and you know getting out in front of that because Coyle can just move into the second center. But, I mean, do you think that that's a wise option, especially considering the Bergeron injury? Well, I'd see it as an option, but not a wise option for that reason. And, and also, to pick up on your point, you know, once they're gone, appreciate them. I, I, think, <laughs> I think you'd feel that vacuum the second Krejci left. Mm. Uh, He's he is vastly underrated, and I, I don't hold him up there as as the greatest center of all time by any means. Uh, you know, there's a lot more that I like about Bergeron's game, but Krejci when he's on, and we've seen it, we've seen it in the playoffs, and we've seen it in spurts when they when they give him that kind of talent around him. He, he's a superb center, so uh, I, I certainly wouldn't be in favor of it. I mean, there's there's always some scenario, right? That right. Not only not only could you remove his seven point two five million that you bring you know in return you got a legitimate young uh second pairing defenseman uh, you know in return you got a legitimate uh 25 30 goal scorer off the wing who was under under contract control because of age so there's always i mean what i always say about players i know it, it's <laughs> some people consider inhumane to a degree but they are produce in the grocery store and <laughs> right that's what they are, and, and, and you know, if you're going to leave them on the stand, they go rotten. Uh, the, the time to move them is when they're at their ripest, when you can bring them back, and there are very, very, very few who I would break that you know, model for. Sure. Bork is one. Bergeron is another. Uh, Chara, Chara is beyond it, but <laughs> Chara in his prime right. you know, in terms of being such a unique model in, in terms of shutdown presence and real shut off that side of his ice. So I know fans get extremely attached to guys. I understand it because I was there as a kid. But when, when you can try to move up to whatever footage here, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, there's really only so many unique players in, it, on, on any roster and, frankly, in the game. Right. You know, you can, you can, you can, pull, out the, you can pull out the 637 guys who play this year and I'm, I'm, I'm undercutting the number there, <laughs> you know, there's, there's 12 to 15, maybe right. you, 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 at a struggle, you might get to 20 and that's across 30 teams, 31 teams. Right. So I know, I know from your Twitter that you were kind of maybe pondering some Taylor Hall deals, whether it was the, maybe not the Bruins, but maybe some else. but so what, uh, do, do you think there would be a, a scenario where the Bruins might be interested in him? In Taylor Hall, yeah, I, I think anybody, I think anybody should be interested in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't see. This sounds crazy. It's not crazy, but it, it comes down to need and type of team, right? right? So the, the the one I was playing around with yesterday, and of course nobody riles up like those Vancouver fans. But <laughs> uh, boy, uh, you know that's a team that needs his talent, right? Right, a, a, an MVP guy. Who's, who's he's frankly he's played on two crappy franchises, you know, but MVP talent still young enough. Yep. Stud. 
I wouldn't want to be the team that's now going to have to roll out what looks like a huge payday for him. Mm-hmm. I, I'm against those contracts in general, and sort of the sh- showcase piece for that is the Billy Guerin deal when he left here for Dallas. Yep. I thought it was ridiculous money at the time, and that that proved to be true. You know, in the in the first year, year and a half of that deal, uh, you know, they're very very tricky deals to sign. I think the other part of Taylor Hall is. His, his injury history, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's, he's played a tough game. He gets his, as a consequence, he's paid the price. So I, I don't see that they need him. I, I think any team would like him, uh, but you get down to where, where is he best? He's best on a team that needs that type of leadership. He needs that type of age, present experience, can afford him all of that. Right. I think that ends up being, I think Buffalo is another perfect place for mm-hmm. him. Uh, you know, again, a franchise that's been nowhere. They've got, you know, they, they put, by my money, Eichel into that spot in terms of presence, leadership, all of that, far too young. That, that's the type you want a guy who's got, pick a number, 350 career games, 400. He's been through it. He's really proven it in terms of numbers, presence in the league. Those are the types of teams that I think should have their hand up at least to have the discussion. Kings would probably be another, but that's kind of a different scenario than I'm painting. Uh, You know, they need, they need something to kind of hold on to. Uh, And frankly, I don't know why. uh, I don't know why Taylor Hall would go to that type of franchise, but that's up to him to decide. Last one from me, Kevin, I'd love to get your take on what we're seeing now with some of these coaches in the league and these stories and allegations from behind the scenes. Mike Babcock, Bill Peters, Mark Crawford, you got like tales of abuse and bigotry and racism. Is this just the tip of the iceberg of you know, something that's like been untold across the league for years, or is this just a couple of isolated incidents? Well, the guy is usually not short of opinion and, and, and quick to give it. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm somewhat reluctant. I'm somewhat gobsmacked. I'm, I'm, I, and I'm certainly disheartened. Uh, uh, you know, obviously, it, it, it <laughs> the the Peter scenario was disturbing on many levels. Uh, people say some very stupid things, and and you can say racist things and not be a racist. I understand that, but the combination of exactly what he said. Uh, in terms of the racism, right? Uh, then the added layer of physical abuse or, or physical action against players uh, in today's game, just it, it, none of that can be tolerated. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, I, I'm really hesitant to go to the other names because all that is yet to be kind of sorted through yep. in terms of Babcock and Crawford. Uh, you know, there is a, there's a there's a common theme to the three of them, which is you know the if you will the Canadian system, sure. uh, however you want to broadly or or, or narrowly define that system. Uh, it's certainly, if you look at for, for better or worse, Division One NCAA coaches, could you imagine any of that? I couldn't. Right. I can't. You know, and and uh, if you want to peel that onion back 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. No, I couldn't have imagined it then in, 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 in that system. So, uh, you know, and having, and I don't want to, you know, uh, again, railroad or hijack the conversation, but so, so much of this has the feeling and having grown up 
Roman Catholic, you know, watching what happened in the church mm-hmm. in terms of stuff that was hidden, stuff that, it, you know, it, it, it's analogous in that if, 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 it true, if it proves to be true that this is widespread, analogous in that, you know, people in power, players typically young, uh, feeling vulnerable about their careers, uh, not wanting to speak up, all of it, uh, it really, really disturbs me. And I, you know, I, I'm, I'm frankly having spent over 40 years of my career chronicling hockey. Uh, I, I, I just, I hope it isn't true. I, I hope it's in some cases exaggerated cases, but I have to be honest here. You know, there's smoke, there's usually fire. And I think this is really going to, this is really going to go through the grist mill. And if, if in the end it goes through the grist mill and it's corrective, uh, that's good. That's good. Sad. Another part of this, and I'm, I'm really hesitant to kind of go too deep on this, is as we saw with the PED in baseball, if, if we're going to be analogous there, in the end, the, the media often were held up as being delinquent in reporting it. Right. And, and what I've said about that is it's a very tough place to be an honest reporter, uh, you know, and not somebody who's just throwing smack out on whatever social platform, if you, it's one thing if you actually see it. If you saw Bill Peters kicking a guy on right, the bench, right, yeah. then you got it, right? Especially today, because you know somebody's taped it. But it's, you've, you've got to have evidence in hand. You, you can have a guy walking through a locker room with a beer can. You really don't know what's in the beer can. Right. It, it could be water. I mean, you know, there's, you, you've got to have it. Sure. Got to, to call somebody a drunk, to call right. somebody a PED user, to call somebody a greenies user, very difficult. Right. But what I will say is if there were people in a media role, reporters at games, watching players get kicked or grabbed by the back of the neck in today's game, I don't know how you couldn't report it. Well, that's just it. I mean, you, you've covered some of the craziest, you know, wackiest, meanest, t- you know, toughest, whatever you want to say, coaches. Uh, when you look back, did you ever see anything that a coach did that maybe did kind of, you know, it, may, it was maybe an accepted behavior, but something that maybe now you look back and say, wow, how, you know, how could this guy do that? Or why did that guy nope. get away with that? No. I, and again, yeah. we, as you know, Matt, we're yeah. not, we're, we're in the right. room less and less now. Yeah. When I started in the business, I was in the room often during practices because I'd be talking to guys mm-hmm. in the room who were injured. Right. I would talk to them the second they came off the ice, which is usually good because sometimes they were emotional. <laughs> right. Uh, so did I ever see? No, yeah. I didn't. I, I right. haven't. I, you know, and, and frankly, if had I been 25 years old as I was on these beats at one time and seen it, I don't know if I'd, I honestly given what the times were, because that would have been in the mid mid to late seventies. Right. I don't know if I would have reported it because there was sort of this, you know, overused word code of, okay, I saw it. Did anybody else, somebody else sees it. You got to use it. Mm-hmm. If I'm in a privileged situation in terms of access and I see something, then it starts to become dicey. But it isn't if you're if you're at a game and you see it going on on the bench. I will say I do remember conversations with Tom Johnson. Now Tom Johnson mm-hmm. was the assistant general manager here. He coached the Bruins to their '72 Cup. Right. He was on some of the great Canadiens teams, and he talked about uh, Toe Blake going after Rocket Richard right on the bench. <laughs> oh wow! And grabbing him, grabbing him yeah. by the sweater. Right. 
and, you know, getting right in his face. And what Johnson said is the reason would be because if he did that to, to Rocket, mm-hmm. who was the, who was the, you know, the, if you will, the apex predator in the lineup in terms of talent, if he could do it to Rocket, he could do it to anybody. Sure. And that had command of the bench. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't surprise me if, if others, if what we're seeing here or hearing yeah. anyway, is that similar ethos of, uh, you know, controlling, controlling a team that, that was okay in the fifties and sixties, I guess. Again, Rocket's not alive. Co, right. TJ, I can't go back and right. and but I can tell you, I heard that story a number yeah. of times. Well, thanks for joining us, Kevin. Good stuff. Sorry you have to deal with Calvin on a mostly regular basis. <laughs> it's a chore, but we all get through it. Yeah, indeed. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot, Kevin. All right, lads. Thanks for having me yeah, on. Appreciate right. it. Bye bye. There you go. Yet another Hall of Famer, as you pointed out, Kevin Paul Dupont, our guest this week. By the way, next week, looking forward to Chris Knuckles Nyland joining us that on the be show. Awesome. Looking forward to that. You know, I was a uh, Actually, I only know Knuckles Nyland from when I was a kid and him being on the Rangers, so we'll see how that goes. But, um, you know, one thing I did want to mention about Kevin and, and the coaching, it's just like, you know, he coached, he was here for Keenan, he was here for the, for Sutter. It's like, you wonder how much, what what step, like, how, what will be considered egregious? You hear some of the stories about some of these coaches, what will, obviously, physical abuse, racism, we, we can all agree that that's out should to right. disqualify you. I like just Sean want... Avery legitimately said that yeah. Mark Crawford choked him. Right, exactly. I, mean, that, so, I think that's that's a sign. It's and, <laughs> and clearly, I'm just it, maybe that's the, the scariest part is that this is coming out now, and that these people didn't feel empowered to say it then. You know, I mean, sorry, Brent Sopel was choked by Crawford. Oh, okay. Avery was just kicked. Right, my bad. Yeah, okay. and I just wonder, like, you know, obviously we all know the Charles Sprewell choked PJ Colissimo. We knew that five <laughs> minutes later, not ten years later. So it's like yeah, yeah. it's kind of scary that the culture is keeping this in. But I just wonder. Some of the mind games, some of the you know insults that maybe weren't racist or homophobic, but just things that guys picked on. I mean, I I, I can I can only imagine that some coaches, Canadian or Canadian coaches, would have picked on some Swedes by calling them soft because they were Swedes. I mean, you know, we we know Don Cherry made a career out of that yeah. as a broadcaster. I'm sure he was saying it. You know, I'm sure there were people. Right. So you just wonder what. Was deemed acceptable then might not be now. And, if, and who's going to pay a price? Like Johan Franzen, that Babcock story oh, is my God. unbelievable. That guy is a, was a force. Right, he was a tough son of a bitch. Well, with Mike Babcock, I just now now I've learned my lesson to never think someone's a nice person just because they say good morning. Because <laughs> I was always so impressed that he would show up for his availability and go good morning. Oh, that's a nice guy, but uh, clearly this guy had no, some never crazy ass issues. Yeah, but. Um, Hey, you know, at least uh, John Hines just got fired just for <laughs> lack of coaching. Yeah, well, you know, he's good my old, classmate. Good old you know, let's be you guys who don't get <laughs> And uh, then, so the other thing with DuPont that I thought was interesting was he, he mentioned, you know, this load management with Bergeron and maybe keeping him to two games a week. And, I, I mean, we've said it here. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, we said it with Dale that um, – They have a 14-point def- def- cushion in the division. Well, that's Absolutely. Don't, don't have to do back-to-backs for sure. And then maybe you do keep it two games a week. And it's not – you can't say you're insulting certain opponents by doing that. You're worrying about yourself, and we know in the NBA they don't worry about that. They right. worry about keeping their team healthy, and that could pay off in, in June. And you're expecting this team to, to play into June. It's um, it, there's nothing wrong with it, and uh, if it keeps them healthy and makes them great in the playoffs, that's all the better. And you know, clearly they have the depth to uh, to get through it. 
you know, like you had your report cards, and you know, I don't think anybody got worse than a B. It's all happy time right now. <laughs> the only negative I would say yeah. is there's a danger if this continues and they're going to run away with the division that they're well, Tampa of last year, and well, you, don't, you don't know whether the urgency well, to make a trade deadline move or whether just right. You know, yep. I mean, it's a good well, problem to have. There's, right. There's two points to that. One, Sweeney cannot get fooled. He needs to solidify the team. You know, Tampa last year, we knew they needed some more grit, and they didn't do it. And I, mean, I didn't know that until they didn't. Well, <laughs> it, but I, I, that, that was kind of murmured around the deadline, I think. Okay. I think the scouts and, and some broadcasters were saying that, and, you know, maybe you needed to add some more you know, character and some grit to, the, to their team. And they got fooled. I mean, you always want to be trading from a position of strength, right? So, well, Nothing, nothing stronger than where you are at this point, or even if you're going to wait till after the Christmas break, maybe do it in January. Um, don't get fooled by you know Andrews Bjork having a good game, or don't get fooled on that. That the other point was to go to the the coasting. It goes back to what I was saying before we talked to Kevin about this core. They're not going to let them coast, you know. Um, th- there's always something to play for. There's always competition. I think you know you see it. They 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 want to win in practice. They want to win the mini the mini games they play in practice. There's just always this way of staying sharp. I think they have a lot more experience with this. We saw the two breaks they had last year, right in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. We've seen them have breaks in other playoff years. They managed, you know, since since the '09 disaster where they had the ten days off and then lost to Carolina. Um, they learned their lesson about, uh, and this group can can pass on that experience to know how to stay sharp even if you're coasting in March. Uh, there's always something to play for. They can even look at records. I mean, you you talk, you read off the, the the best starts in history, and you could start to maybe compete with the best finishes in franchise history. There are ways to and yeah. you can play game seven on a loop from last year, and then the locker. <laughs> well, that's room. just it. Never be you can never be complacent when you've only you said the, the core with one with one cup. Well, that's yeah. motivation enough. You don't want to be <laughs> you don't want to be this great core that has one cup. Just like the, the Lightning are on the verge of being a great core with no cups because. At some point, they're going to break that up, and it might even be after this year if they don't get going. By the way, two quick points on DuPont before we get out of here. Just want to throw this in. He he had mentioned that Kessel and Sagan, mm. not neither of those guys in his story pointed out, have scored more than 40 goals in a year. That is amazing. Think right. about that. Pasternak's on his way here to 60, maybe. Right. Kessel, 37, the most. And he played with Crosby, Malkin. I, I can't figure out the Tyler Sagan thing to, for my life of me because every time I watch the Dallas Stars, he looks like a good player, but he's definitely yeah. not up rush on superstar like some people try to make him out to be. Right. And a good line by uh, DuPont, the storybook Montreal-Boston rivalry now reads like a cheap novel. Good. <laughs> exactly. Good line as they have blitzed and, and maybe have driven Claude to, to the brink of getting fired. I mean, Jesus, yeah, I mean, what, they, a, what a week. You know, they, they saved his job at that win against the Islanders probably, but, but I, although I think Bergeron is more in the – you know, as long as I'm here, Claude's the coach type thing, and plus what they're paying him and the contract. But um, we know we always know somebody's going to pay the price, and it, it might be him. And he's you know complaining about the referees. That was kind of un uh, unclothed like. Was all right. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Knuckles Nyland in queue, uh, and uh, many more great guests coming, and maybe some surprise uh, <laughs> special side pods. You never know what Calvin's up to. Uh, that that could be ahead. And uh, before we talk, when we talk next, I mean, hell, the last time we talked, they rattled off five straight wins. Montreal, Ottawa, Rangers, Montreal again, Carolina. They've got Chicago and Colorado Saturdays. I think the big right. one, that's one people are looking forward to. And, and, of course, Washington next Wednesday. Yep. So two big uh, testers coming up for the Bruins. We'll talk to you next week.